Hey everyone, thanks again for joining us on Beyond the Forecast. I'm meteorologist Brandon Woolley here in the Two Works for You Weather Center and alongside me is Chief Meteorologist Mike Collier. And we have a special guest this week for the podcast. This is Joey Pika, and he's a meteorologist at the Storm Prediction Center in Norman, Oklahoma. Thanks so much, Joey, for joining us this afternoon. Thank you for having me today. So, Joey, I mean, I imagine, you know, every day is pretty much busy for you. There are hopefully some downtimes for you. But obviously, with Florence heading towards the East Coast, give us an idea of how the Storm Prediction Center is getting prepared for a landfalling hurricane. I know a lot of that falls on the Hurricane Center, but, you know, with, with landfalling hurricanes and tornadoes, how is the SPC uh, getting prepared for Florence? Sure. Well, you know, of course, as you alluded to and you mentioned, you know, a vast majority of the work and the effort comes out of the Hurricane Center and their expertise there. And with the Atlantic Basin lighting up, certainly they have plenty of, on their hands right now. Uh, but at the Storm Prediction Center, we're part of what's known as the National Centers for Environmental Prediction, which is part of the, the Weather Service. And we all have our various areas of, of expertise where we provide guidance for uh, both local National Weather Service offices, media, and, and others in the, in the weather enterprise. So at the SPC, although we're not dealing with things like storm surge or the winds from the, the hurricane it, itself, or at least the main core of winds, um, a big thing we still have to focus on with any landfalling tropical system is the tornado threat. There often is a tornado threat that's associated with these storms as they get close to the coast just because of the strong winds that are present with them. There's a lot of uh, what we call wind shear where the winds are changing with height and that can help create conditions that are favorable for tornadoes. So we do have to focus on that and we are on conference calls with the Hurricane Center and many others, uh, local offices that may be impacted, uh, the Weather Prediction Center, which is another national center that does a lot of rainfall forecasting. So of course they're very interested in the, the inland flood threat. And we're on these calls to provide our input regarding what we expect in terms of a potential tornado threat uh, along the coastline or even inland as the storm progresses in, because sometimes with these storms, the tornado threat can actually persist well inland once the storm has already weakened to perhaps a, just a remnant low because the, the winds, the conditions out there may still support uh, a few tornadoes. And so we need to be keyed into that. So that's what we offer to the forecast process when we're dealing with uh, landfalling tropical systems. So over the next few days, we'll be continuing to provide uh, the Hurricane Center and others input regarding what we expect in terms of that tornado potential in the Carolinas and elsewhere. Now, Joey, I am seeing on your Storm Prediction Center webpage for Friday, there is a marginal risk around mm -hmm. where Florence is going to come ashore. Now, if people don't realize, you know, that tornadoes can form on the periphery of hurricanes. If we're looking down at a hurricane, where's the best region where those tornadoes could form? Sure. So, uh, yeah, at first glance, you know, you, you just see sort of this big, this big blob of wind, of a uh, swirling wind with the hurricane. And you wonder, first off, where in all that, yeah, would the tornadoes be preferred? And, and, and secondly, uh, you know, it's already pretty windy as this it's a hurricane you know am i am i uh, am i that much more concerned about uh, a tornado perhaps forming in there it's already winds that i feel like i would experience uh, with perhaps some tornadoes so where where can we provide that value and where we're expecting uh, tornadoes to form uh, in association with the storm and, and that main area really is uh, when you're looking at 
the motion of the storm, which direction it's going, if you look on the right side of the storm, so if you sort of slice the storm in half uh, based on the direction the storm is going and you look at the right side of it, uh, that would be where we typically see most, the vast majority of tornadoes form with landfalling tropical systems. And, and one thing to remember too, is it's not necessarily right under that, that core where you see the, the, the big overcast of clouds are really close to the eye necessarily. You can get and frequently do, and often it's the preferred area, on that right side, well away from the storm center where you have these bands of showers and thunderstorms moving ashore that are sort of spiraling outward away from the storm. And that can be many, many, many miles away from the center, you know, hundreds of miles even away from the center, where conditions are still favorable to get tornadoes to develop. But all in all, you want to look on that right side. If you're facing the direction that the storm is, is moving, on the right side of the storm is where we typically see most of our tornadoes. And I was just looking at new imagery coming down from the International Space Station today, and one of the German astronauts took a picture with a wide-angle lens. I mean, they're 250 miles above Florence, and they had to use a wide-angle lens. <laughs> and I could see those bands on the outer edge of Florence sure. bubbling up, and that's where we typically find those thunderstorms and the tornado potential. Yeah, one of the reasons for that is, you know, tornadoes – one of the mechanisms you need or, or one of the ingredients you need to help them form is, is some warming of the mm -hmm. air near the ground. That, that warming creates instability, which helps lift the air faster. You can, you can make a tornado form essentially as you uh, sort of rapidly uh, lift the air. And, and just like if you imagine a figure skater who is, starts to uh, bring their arms in and starts to spin even faster in a similar manner uh, by lifting air up quickly you can take a something that's spinning and stretch it real quickly and tighten it and spin it up into a tornado real quickly just like if you imagine a spinning figure skater and those conditions actually can be far away from the center because you lose some of the cloud cover associated with the the main area of overcast with the hurricane so once you get that heating from the sunlight and breaks in the cloud cover that can actually uh, help create more favorable conditions for tornadoes. And obviously, we're talking about severe thunderstorms, you know, outside of the tornado risk. I mean, we're looking at the possibility of severe thunderstorms in any hurricane that comes ashore. Sure. That's that's another thing we're usually outlooking or we're usually forecasting when we have a landfalling tropical system. Uh, and it doesn't necessarily even have to be a hurricane. We see this even with tropical storms if the right conditions uh, happen to exist on the periphery of the storms. But Hurricanes usually are more productive, and especially major hurricanes like Florence, in, in producing a, tor a tornado threat and a wind threat as well, not associated necessarily with the core uh, of the strongest winds, the type we're used to seeing or hearing about with the updates from the Hurricane Center, the max sustained winds, things like that. But once you move farther from the center, like you alluded to, in those thunderstorms, you can get these turbulent up and down motions, the, the, the downdraft within the heavy rain of the thunderstorm, and it can essentially just pull some of that stronger flowing air aloft down to the surface and can give you a severe wind gust. So, Joey, I, I mean, you know, severe weather season, obviously, uh, in the beginning of the year into early summer, and then it, it progresses north, and we have a secondary season in the fall. Um, 
is there staffing levels that you all change as the seasons go on or is it, I mean, it's just constantly, you're all monitoring it the same every day. Yeah, that's actually, that's a question we get a lot. And at the SPC, we're pretty even keeled. We're pretty steady with the staffing levels throughout the, throughout the year. Certainly on some of our really high end days, um, when we're talking about those moderate or, or high risk days, days where we're thinking maybe there's going to be an outbreak of tornadoes, we will add an extra shift or two onto our operations floor, primarily to enhance our communication via social media, via other media to, to get the message out better and to help others disseminate weather information better because those are really you know those are the make or break days that we really want to be always on top of our game sure. and always always doing our best uh so we have that and then as well we're just starting it's actually just here in a few days where we're adding a new shift that, that is can be a little bit variable but to our, our day shifts where we're looking at as we go forward actually increasing the the resolution at which we can update our our, our outlooks or our, the probabilities the the different threats the tornado threat the hail threat the damaging wind threat in our outlooks and we we're looking to provide more detail so we're about to actually start exploring experimentally um, some more focused tailored updates with that and we're we're looking to to maybe add a, a shift there as well to do that but all in all through the year um, sort of our base level staffing it really doesn't change we have a pretty nice system in place and and we're able to to maintain our mission with it you know i'm very respectful of your time and and i truly appreciate you hopping on here we each have one last question and then uh, we're going to let you be free we thank you so much again it's mm -hmm. really an honor to have you on here um, <laughs> you guys speak too kindly <laughs> and and of course that more evolved with the the mass media just i mean we can we see with florence there's so much information going out there and and does it ever kind of worry you a little bit coming from you know a, a government sector that issues watches and issues outlooks, the amount of information that's dispersed through uh, every known entity uh, known to man that talks about weather. Sure. You know, it is, it is very challenging. It's uh, it's a new uh, era we're in. It's not like somebody just flipped a switch. We've slowly been building towards it with all of the various media and channels that can, that can get, information out there some of it much more rigorous or accurate than than others or more responsible than others so it's definitely something that you know you could always put your fingers in your ears and close your eyes and pretend it doesn't exist and continue to do your work but that's that's not the best service we can provide uh, in and not just in a government sector but really in the the weather enterprise in general and and so you know the the initial feeling is yeah it, it's it's concerning when you see some uh, information that you could say is perhaps sensationalizing or hyping and you don't know where the information is coming from because anybody can create an account on social media and make it look pretty right. official. So that, that is, but, but you know, it's also, it, it's an exciting time. We have so many ways, uh, whether it be in government, whether it be you in, in media and broadcast or, emergency management, whoever it may be, to, to provide information, to connect with people, different ways to connect with people. And so I, I find it's, it's actually an exciting challenge in the sense that um, we, 
in the weather enterprise, we have a command of, of forecasting and meteorology. We have all these new tools, uh, whether it be our new satellite data with uh, GO 16 and 17, uh, whether it be, you know me, I'm, I'm a big radar junkie with dual polarization radar uh, or, or what have you. And, and so we, we really, we are the experts. We can uh, command um, attention if we present things in a way that's digestible for people and we're there early and often with the message in terms of this is what we know, this is what we don't know, this is why we don't know it, and, and we have a strong command of why we don't know it. It's not to say we're being we're locking in a certain forecast far from it because that wouldn't be too responsible, but to say, well, this is why we're not particularly certain and to explain it in a way that, that people can understand it and they feel like they're learning a little something in the process. We see that that works so well with, with really getting people to trust you and to follow you. So if we can do that, whether it be us at the SBC or in, in broadcast media, emergency management, whoever uh, we can, we can really, we can really, sort of squash that that you know sort of dark underbelly where there's a lot of irresponsible information flowing now joey uh you folks uh yourself you work at the national weather center in norman oklahoma and mm -hmm. not a lot of people realize but you folks are in our backyard yes i mean you're just down the interstate from us here in tulsa and you have such an important role for really observing and forecasting weather across the whole country and you have the Norman National Weather Service right next to your office. What's the difference between the Weather Service office next to you and the Storm Prediction Center? Sure. Well, uh, we'll start with the similarities. We both share the same break room. We both eat the same snacks from the same break room. So that's, that's sort of that's 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 the meeting point uh, for for where we uh, sign all of our treaties, essentially, is the is the. <laughs> uh, but with the the local office we have many local offices all covering uh the the country and not even the lower just the lower 48 but alaska hawaii uh, puerto rico guam uh, and they all have certain areas of responsibility where they issue themselves also uh, certain types of watches and warnings and uh, and local forecasts and advisories for a, a certain number of counties that are under their jurisdiction, essentially. So the Norman office, for instance, covers portions of central Oklahoma and western Oklahoma, whereas you're under the Tulsa office's uh, area, uh, what we call a county warning area. And that would be eastern Oklahoma, also into parts of Arkansas as well. And so the, the biggest difference I think I could express to, to folks is that when you get a severe thunderstorm warning or a tornado warning, which means that a severe thunderstorm or a tornado has been observed or is, is imminent based on radar data or otherwise, that comes from the local office. So that, that warning, so it's, it's happening or it's about to happen comes from them. Where we step in at the Storm Prediction Center, we, we sort of are a step back where it's a wider angle, basically, that we're looking at. We have coverage across the entire lower 48. And so, of course, doing tornado warnings and severe thunderstorm warnings across the entire lower 48 would be a little much to, to handle for any one <laughs> right. little small center. So what we do is, is we are looking at the forecasts from several days out to just a few hours out of severe weather. So again, damaging wind potential, large hail potential, tornado potential. And we will issue forecast outlooks of severe weather several days out. And then we'll also issue uh, a severe thunderstorm and tornado watches uh, within just a few hours or an hour 
of the expected time in which we think conditions will be favorable for the development of tornadoes or severe thunderstorms. So what, what we do and how we sort of work together with the local offices is we, we lead in. We start off with that messaging of uh, it looks like there's going to be a higher end potential in this certain part of the country. Um, and, and we see that potential coming together once we get to a few hours out. And then maybe we issue a watch, which means conditions are favorable. So uh, folks need to be at the ready to take action. And then that's where it gets handed off to the office, where uh, if they see a tornado imminent, for instance, based on radar data, they'll then issue that warning. And then folks are taking action at that point, or at least we hope they're taking action. So the, the difference is in the scope, both in time and, and in space we're looking at. But we don't want it to be a very hard line in terms of there's sort of this clear break in how we're all forecasting. We're supposed to just nicely fluidly feed into what the office the local office is doing in terms of their warnings and their whole reason is to make sure people from start to finish have a plan they start to prepare they're ready to go and then they take action when it's uh, when it's go time really joey thank you so much for your time and and i we hope to get you in the spring to go more in depth on that because i'm telling you we have a lot to talk about i could sit here three days and talk to you but again, <laughs> you might get bored is- after a while talking to me i start talking about coffee and donuts <laughs> hey, and pizza joey like yeah pizza. pizza yes yes of course well noted thank you so much joey for your time uh, thank you guys all right thank you so much joey pika he's a meteorologist at the national weather center in norman oklahoma we'll see you next time joey thanks